This is hour number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, often the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. We're going to continue our conversation from the last hour about the the race to the White House 2016 because there's so much to get to, and I want to make sure that we touch all of the bases uh, there will be a couple other news stories that I want to get to, including the media malpractice and the railroading of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, uh, which was just absolutely outrageous. Uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in this hour number three of the program. But, Lee, I want to revisit briefly uh, this issue of the emerging feud between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. And I know you're a Cruz fan, and you seemingly agree with me that Cruz has has – positioned himself poorly for this battle, but but you think... Well, no, the only position is that he was caught saying something behind Trump's back, and he never should have done that. That was dumb. Okay, but then he tweeted how terrific Donald Trump is. Yeah, but that's and, him being okay. Ted. Okay, I but mean, here, here, here's what I want to know. As a, as a Cruz fan, which you are... Yes. Now that Trump has made it clear that, you know, even though if he hasn't gone 100%... Um, <laughs> <laughs> on, on Cruz, he certainly got out some pistols. Um, I'd wear a vest. <laughs> right. Um, now that, that, that the fire is going in his direction, what's Cruz going to do? Cruz has to make a decision. And he, and he, and yeah, he does. And frankly, it might be already too late, but what's his decision? What's Cruz's decision? Because as I see it, he either goes to war with a guy who's got a track record that's better than Mike Tyson's was before you know Tyson fell apart, Yes, well, but the Muslim thing may be the chink in his armor. How? Because it look, the whole so world what, Cruz, now is Cruz no, no, is going to take him on in the Muslim thing? No, 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 no. So how does I'm, so how does Cruz handle this? I, I'm I'm not sure that he still has as many bullets in that gun uh, as he normally does. I'm 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 curious to see how this turns out with the Muslim thing. Is he still that lethal? And Ted Cruz, I think, will play it. He'll let Donald attack him first on stage this week at the debate. Mm-hmm. He, I think he's going to feel him out and see. But make no mistake, if if there's a showdown. I'm telling you, my money's on Ted Cruz. He can put him away because Donald can insult, but that's about it. He can't really defend any of his positions. I agree. He's with, not that good. No, no, I agree with you that Trump is more vulnerable than perceived in a fight. I mean, like most bullies, if you hit them good, they're, yeah. they're going to crack. And, and I think that, that that's potentially the case with Trump. But I think that Cruz is poorly positioned. One, because he's he's been cozying up to him for months. He just he just tweeted a couple days ago how terrific he is. Well, he and, just tweeted out today how they're such good friends. Okay. So you know that so turning around like that is is difficult. But here's the real problem for Cruz as I see it. If Cruz doesn't come back and fight him man to man and 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 win that battle. So, so he's got to take him on and beat him. If he doesn't do that, if he takes the high road, I think Cruz is done because here's why. Because Cruz's whole narrative and persona is as of the fighter, yes. the, the principal fighter. So if the principal fighter 
doesn't fight the bully when the bullies hit him in the mouth, then how does he survive that? I think he's going to do it face-to-face. He's not going to fight it on Twitter. He's certainly not going to fight it on a morning show. I think the opportunity, if it presents himself, he'll wipe the floor with him. I have no doubt about that. Ted Cruz is brilliant. Okay. I mean, I'm open to that. Um, It'll be interesting. And it'll be fun to watch. It'll be interesting to see at the debate, that's for sure. Um, I mean, look, I think there's a lot of different narratives at this debate. I think, obviously, Cruz versus Trump is a big one. Uh, I actually think that uh, Rubio Christie is a very interesting emerging uh, battle because it's very obvious that, Cru- uh, that, that, that Christie thinks that he's got a shot at New Hampshire. He's making some, mm-hmm. some movement in the polls there. Uh, he's going nowhere in Iowa. And see... Well, I, I'm a little wary of Christie in New Hampshire. Part of what people forget is that when Iowa comes out and Christie gets 2% and finishes 7th or 8th, that douses a lot of momentum in New Hampshire because people are going to yes. go, well, why am I bothering? He's got no shot. But that being said, you know, you can make an argument for Christie right now in New Hampshire, and if that happens, then that curtails Rubio. Christie made a shot at Rubio a couple of times this week, um, I, I suggested via email, which of course it will never be at all ever taken because none of my suggestions ever are taken, even as brilliant as they might be. Uh, but th- but th- <laughs> this is what I if I do say so myself. Well, you tell me. This is what I this is what I suggested if uh, to the Rubio people if Christie comes after them at the debate. If you're Marco, um, Chris, you and I share a lot in common. As a matter of fact, we're both big NFL football fans. I grew up in South Florida, so naturally I was a Dolphins fan. You grew up in New Jersey, so naturally you were a Cowboys fan. I've seen both my wife as a cheerleader for the Dolphins and you for the Cowboys. And let me tell you, one image is a hell of a lot better than the other. <laughs> uh, hey, that is really good. Okay. Would that not bring down the house? No, that is really good because everyone saw that jiggly exactly. side hug. Exactly. Everyone so, so, saw so it. So let's let's put the image in in the voters' minds of Marco Rubio's wife, Miami <laughs> Dolphin cheerleader, cheerleader, and Chris Christie jiggling with Jerry Jones. <laughs> All right? That's game set. Jiggling with Jerry Jones. That could be a song. Right. That's game set match right there. Okay. So, good, goodbye. See you later. Thank you very much. That was really. What kind of response did you get? I on didn't that? even get any. I didn't even get a response. I did not even get a response. I'm not very wow. uh, impressed with the Rubio people. This is somebody, by the way, that I have uh, interacted with quite a bit, who's very high up in the Rubio campaign. Uh, so I'm, I'm not particularly happy. Um, and I, I also believe that they, that the Rubio people would behoo, would be smart to go after Cruz a bit. I think that they need to go after Cruz for his cowardice and not going after Trump. See, I think that they can they can do a two for one deal there. If Rubio makes a stand for Cruz's cowardice in in not being stronger against Trump specifically for the Muslim thing, then I think that that uh, can help Rubio in a huge way because Rubio must establish himself as the anti-Trump. He, he must be the anti-Trump guy, because that's what this is going to end up being, unless Trump implodes in Iowa. It's going to be Trump and Trump light, which is Cruz, right? So you got Trump, Trump light, and the non-Trump, and uh, which one will win? 
Uh, and so Rubio needs to do that yeah. fast. But here's the problem. You know, my gosh, we're up against another break. We, I know. I, good I, gosh. All right, when, when we come back. <laughs> we're running out of time. No, I know. We'll, we'll get to all of it, I promise. When we come back, though, the, the problem of, of what's happening in New Hampshire with the polls is what's really bogging down any effort to get Donald Trump. I'll explain when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 20 different radio stations that broadcast this program each and every Sunday night, including markets in New York and Los Angeles and everywhere in between. Uh, we're continuing with our extended look at the Race to the White House 2016 for this uh, very eventful week. And um, I want to at least mention one of the many problems here uh, with the uh, issue of trying to get rid of Donald Trump, which is imperative if you're going to beat Hillary Clinton, is that no one will drop out. Now, Scott Walker came out again this week. And and frankly, Leah, you know, I mean, I was I thought Walker would have been the best nominee if, if paired with Marco Rubio as a vice presidential nominee for a number of reasons, which I have documented numerous times. But it's clear that, at the very least, you cannot argue that he had the nation's best interest at heart because he got out as soon as he knew it was over. He didn't care about himself. He, you know, whatever humiliation he, he may have felt by uh, having been the front runner for 15 minutes and then being one of the first uh, couple to get out of the race. But he once again urged others to do what he did. And put they're not the, doing it. And they're not doing it. And the reason why they're not doing it is this. If you look at the polls in, in New Hampshire, it's really quite remarkable. you got Trump way ahead of everybody. Then, then you've got a, a neck, another cluster of, of Carson, Cruz, uh, and Rubio, although Carson has gone down even further in a couple of New Hampshire polls. So basically Rubio and Cruz. And then you've got another cluster of everybody. You've got Christie. You've got Jeb Bush. You got Rand Paul, you got uh, Fiorina, Kasich, you, you got everybody is right there between, say, 4 and 11%. You know what that means? They can all dream. They can yeah. all dream that if Trump implodes in Iowa, they can, pick it up. they can be the one to pick it up. I tell you, if Trump implodes, uh, they're not going to Jeb Bush. Well, isn't it amazing that... That right there is the first mention of Jeb Bush's name in the hour and 20 minutes that we've been discussing the nominating process. He's the uh, one that needs to just go. Uh, and, and Get that, out. And, and I wish somebody would mention his name. I mean, Scott Walker has tried now twice to be as polite as possible. Uh, yeah, but, but, but he's so yesterday. But he, I know being polite is so yesterday. Just <laughs> say it. Right. Uh, well, in, the, in, the, in the Trump world, you're right. Walker should say, uh, this means you, Jeb, exclamation point. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, who, that's who it is. I mean, Jeb needs to get out. He's mucking up the works. And, and spending money slamming everybody. So just uh, go away. Well, it's really amazing how much money his pack has spent and how, um, how it has gotten them absolutely nowhere. 
and it was actually a focus last night, Jeb was, of a Saturday Night Live sketch where Will Ferrell came on to play George W. Bush, Bush mm-hmm. 43. And I thought this was pretty hilarious. Bush 43 came on to announce that he was running for president because obviously the Republican nominating process was a mess. And, you know, you might as well go with a guy you know rather than all these other nut jobs. And he went through the entire field, and here's what it sounded like when he ended up talking about his own brother, Jeb. This was Will Farrell. Poor Jeb. You got to admit, it's a pretty good plot twist that I turned out to be the smart one. I wish you would have asked me about the exclamation point on the end of his name. Look, I don't like the taste of broccoli, but it doesn't get any tastier if you call it broccoli. (laughs) He doesn't stand a chance in this field. He's he's an insider who knows how to govern. The Republican voters don't want that. They want someone who is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. (laughs) But running a government is kind of like driving a school bus. You don't want a crazy person driving that bus. You want a a simple, underachieving, not very educated, but reliable guy behind that wheel. (laughs) Someone with a steady hand who will be on time and get into one or two, but no more than four accidents a year. (laughs) You already know that someone, and that someone is me. I'll see you in the White House. I thought that was great. I mean, yeah. I, um, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. I love uh, George W. Bush, and I don't have any big problem with Jeb, other than the fact that he's being selfish and not getting the hell out of the race. I mean, I think he's it, tone deaf too. He's just tone deaf. Uh, well, there's clearly the entire family, other than Barbara. Barbara's the only one that can hear any tones, and she's almost dead. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. She she has a much better radar than anybody else in that family because she knew from moment one this was a bad idea, um, and. <laughs> And, and and frankly, what what bothers me now is what it feels like with the Bushes that this is a, frankly they're just nothing more than ego here that yes. that Jeb is is in an impossible situation where he doesn't want to admit humiliation. They keep thinking a miracle is going to happen that they can find some way at least to get an exit strategy, but there is none. There is none, Jeb. He's prepared his whole life for it. I think he even married the right person for it. Well, you know, you're, that's probably that's an interesting point. You're exactly right. So in his mind, he's not giving up. It's like destiny. <laughs> um, well, here's what your destiny is, Jeb. Uh, your destiny is to be humiliated in Iowa, uh, embarrassed in in New Hampshire, and and then you have to make a decision. Do you go all the way to your home state where you really get flat out embarrassed, humiliated? Uh, to a, to a level of uh, that's never been known before, and all your friends have lost all their money. Um, I hope we don't get to that. I mean, if, if the point here is to beat Hillary, Jeb needs to get out now. Now. Bye-bye. Now. Bye-bye. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. No, 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 no. All right. When we come back, Antonin Scalia and the news media, uh, unbelievable media malpractice on the John and Leah show on Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And yes, we are on in Philadelphia. Hmm. Thus the Rocky music, my old hometown of uh, Philadelphia. I grew up in uh, Bucks County there, so proud to be on Philadelphia, one of the 15 stations on the John and Leah Network, most in major markets. You can find all of them at www. There was an example of that this week, Leah, that was as egregious as any I've ever seen, and and took off like wildfire. Well, and it well, and it's and the way that it took off was very instructive as to how these things happen. Here's what we're referring to. There was uh, there were arguments in front of the U.S. Supreme Court regarding an affirmative action case. And Antonin Scalia, and it's important to note who Scalia is. I mean, Scalia, in my opinion, is the most important person in America. How, yep. in, the, how in the world he does not have 24-hour armed guard and doctor with him at all times is amazing to me. Uh, because when he dies, and it's going to be fairly soon, we're screwed. Because he'll be replaced. We're going to go from the most conservative justice to the most liberal justice. We'll, we'll replace him. And then we're done. Um, and so, um, you know, that's going to be a problem. So, regard, Lee, are you there? I am. Okay. I, I thought we might have lost you there for a second. Okay. So, um, in, Scalia is incredibly important. So, in the arguments for this affirmative action case, he was, in the transcript, some words were attributed to him that sounded kind of racist. Of course, everything's racist in this day and age, right? Well, um, everything that comes from Antonin Scalia, right? Well, for sure. Well, because okay. he's a conservative, so we know. Oh, yeah. We know. Bigots. Right. We know inherently if it sounds racist-ish, <laughs> and it's from a conservative, ah, we got something. Oh so, yeah. So the transcript comes out, and some left-wing blogs start fanning the flames. Oh, Scalia said something racist in this affirmative action case. Oh, my God. They hate and, him. They and just so, hate him. Of course they do because, you know, he's he's the last conservative with balls and power. Right. So um, anyway, so the, the left-wing blogs create this narrative that Scalia said something racist about this affirmative action case. Well, lo and behold, when we found out what actually was said, it turned out no. That's not what happened. He wasn't even citing his own beliefs, which, by the way, anybody who knows anything about the Supreme Court knows that during arguments, the justices do not speak for themselves. Ding, 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 ding. They they are talking. They are either asking questions or they are referencing other arguments that could be made either before, before or against a particular side of a case. So it's absurd on its face. On its face, it was absurd to attribute inherently words in a transcript to the justice themselves and presume that they're racist. And there was actually a fairly decent job done by some non-conservative uh, news outlets to debunk the original racist narrative and i thought it's too late though okay but hold on a second i thought oh okay this is not going to go anywhere further we've we've stamped this thing out this was insane uh, obviously so to anybody with half a brain and then like two days after it happened the nbc nightly news with pete williams who is the most prestigious supreme court reporter that there is acting like he's reporting for Forget about MSNBC. I mean, he, he might as well have been 
He might as well have been, you know, for Black Lives Matter um, <laughs> reporting on the Supreme Court uh, here. This is a report from, from NBC Nightly News. Lester Holt is the anchor. He throws it to Pete Williams. And and just listen. I don't even know. I don't even want to prejudice anybody's uh, opinion on this. We'll, we'll comment on it after you hear this. And, well, I'm going to prejudice you by telling Here's you. Here's your journalism in full display. This is the bullcrap that NBC Nightly News aired well after it was known that this whole story was horse manure. Gasps were heard inside the Supreme Court this week over something said by Justice Antonin Scalia. He made a remark about African Americans and academic performance concerning a case challenging affirmative action. Tonight, NBC News Justice correspondent Pete Williams has the audio recording of it to allow you to hear this comment for yourself. The University of Texas at Austin says to achieve a level of campus diversity that improves learning, race must be a factor in admissions. But could it be, Justice Antonin Scalia asked, that affirmative action harms some students? There are those who contend that it does not benefit African Americans to, to get them into the University of Texas where they do not do well. Uh, as opposed to having them go to a less uh, advanced school, a, less, a, a slower track school, where they do well. He said some studies show that most black scientists do not come from elite universities. This court from lesser schools where they do not feel uh, that, they're, uh, that they're being pushed ahead in, in classes that are too, too fast for them. That produced a few gasps in the courtroom. Some called the comments racist. Others said he was just plain wrong. Gasps. <laughs> okay, there's so many things I want to get to here. But first of all, I love that Pete Williams has offered two options for Scalia. He's, <laughs> he, he's either racist or, or wrong. Or just wrong. <laughs> so, so, so we're being objective here. This is really good journalism. Scalia is either racist or just wrong. Um, now, let, now, now, you mentioned the gasps. Lester Holt mentioned the gasps. Uh-huh. Pete Williams mentioned the gasps. There's audio of what was said. Do you hear any gasps? None. Do you think, let me ask you this, had there been gasps, don't, <laughs> don't, don't you think that NBC would have played the audio of the gasps? Are you kidding? It would have been equalized and <laughs> compressed. I mean, twice. Gasp get mentioned, yet not played. Yet we not have at all. We have audio of what was said. No gasps. Oh, oh, and they conveniently edited out the part where Antonin Scalia says, "There's one brief right. that says." Not exactly. They right. took that out. No, no, you're exactly right. First of all, they they completely they while they play it, they ignored the most important phrase. Scalia says that the that the front of this. There are those who contend. Yep. That, that's, that, that immediately means he's referring to other people who have made this argument that I would like the lawyer to address. Right? Not me, because it's not even a venue where you're supposed to be giving your own views. So that's, I mean, and Pete Williams knows that. He's been covering the Supreme Court since I was a kid. I mean, it's, 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 this is beyond incompetence. This is, this is a hit job. This is a smear job. Oh, please. Uh, NBC has never been caught editing any sort of audio for racist purposes. Well, so they, they, they play, but didn't reference the, though there are those who contend. And then to your point, 
after they cut it off at Scalia saying a slower track school where they do well, Scalia says one of the briefs Correct. pointed out that most of the black scientists in this country don't come from schools like the University of Texas, which is, first of all, a fact, and second of all, not his opinion. Right. Not his words, not his opinion. I mean, it's, it, is, it is unbelievable. And, of course, what's so frustrating about this is that, as we just proved, while it's easily debunked, it takes more than 15 seconds to debunk yeah. it. And, oh, yeah. And if, you, and if it takes more than 15 seconds in this day and age, it can't be done. And And no one wants to debunk it because it's Scalia, so it just goes on the blogosphere at warp speed. And and why? And I'm amazed. Maybe eventually Scalia will address it. But I mean, knowing Scalia, I would think that he would, because he's got an airtight case on his side. Uh, But this is this is why we're so screwed. I mean, this is the preeminent conservative mind of our time, and he's getting smeared as a racist without a shred, not not even close to a shred of credibility behind it, and there's no blowback. There's no fight back. There's there's no counterattack. Nothing. And look, NBC, and, they did this to George Zimmerman, and now they're doing it here. This is twice they've yeah. been busted trying to paint people as being racist. Well, they do it. Uh, it's I, I was even shocked because I thought, I thought, okay. I mean, once they realized that they had made a mistake, they weren't going to amplify the mistake. And, and NBC didn't just double down; they tripled down with gasps. And I mean, just craziness, insanity. Um, and and the biggest part of the problem is that um, you know there was very little that was done to correct the record on this in the public perception. And that has that has huge consequences. All right, when we come back, we've solved the global warming problem. We have. It is totally solved, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about it when we come back on the John and Leah Show. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And you've probably heard that with the fearless leadership of our own Barack Obama and John Kerry, the world has come together in Paris to solve global warming. Leah, tell us more. No, it is solved. The uh, 200 countries did approve the Global Climate Agreement. And all the countries are going to pledge to limit the amount of greenhouse gases emitted by human activity to the same levels that trees and soil and oceans can absorb them naturally. So America will agree to pay millions of dollars to other countries uh, because we have damaged their climate. Here's President Obama on American leadership. Today, the American people can be proud because this historic agreement is a tribute to American leadership. Over the past seven years, we've transformed the United States into the global leader in fighting climate change. Now, Secretary of State John Kerry has also been working on this deal for months. These guys aren't making up the science or the plans to to do it. And I think 
Uh, I think, frankly, a lot of members of Congress are on the wrong side of history. I don't believe you can be elected president of the United States if you don't understand climate change and you're not committed to this kind of a plan. Now, beginning at some point between 2050 and 2100, uh, that is when all of this will begin. And every every country has to ratify the agreement, but they will go ahead and start the plan if we have 55 countries or 55% of the greenhouse gases uh, that have been squashed. <laughs> I was wondering whether or not you were going to be able to get through that report without cracking. Um, congratulations for doing so. There are so many layers of insanity here. Um, I, I want to mention just one that you referenced in the report, that, that, that we're talking you know, decades and decades down the line here. It's interesting to me that... And granted, part of this is because of the nature of the subject matter, but it's not coincidental that all these people make these agreements uh, for time periods in which they're all going to be dead. Okay, that's right. Therefore, they can never be accused of being wrong. Um, You know, and, and this is the inherent plausible deniability of the entire climate change, global warming scam. They're not making it up. Well, they can't possibly be making it up, as John Kerry would tell you, because, I mean, if there's one person I trust, it's John Kerry. Um, I mean, what a, I mean, what a flipping. <laughs> I mean, the, as you've said, John, it's for the children down the line. That's what they always say it's about. Oh, in fact, our president, President Obama, very uh, specifically said that, that it's about him being able to take a walk with his grandchildren. Let's hear that. I imagine taking my grandkids, if I'm lucky enough to have some, to the park someday and holding their hands and hearing their laughter and watching a quiet sunset, all the while knowing that our work today prevented an alternate future that could have been grim. (laughs) Does he really believe that? Does he really believe that he saved... 40 years from now, maybe 30 years from now, the ability to take a walk with his grandkids. Does he really believe that? Seriously. Uh, yes, because that is the biggest national security threat but, but, facing us, I, I, and he's taken care of it. But that was, obviously, to any rational person, that was not in peril. By the way... As you just stated, this thing's not even going to be in place by the time he has grandkids. I mean, so so how in the world is this going to help save that walk with his grandkids? I mean, the, the environment. I'm sure the fact checkers will get right on that. Yeah, right. I, there are so many layers of insanity in this. We don't have enough time for it. I mean, one of my favorite parts of this agreement and, and the reporting on this is flat out hilarious because they all every report on this says, you know, the greenhouse gases that cause global warming. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. We don't know that there is global warming. We don't know that that's what's causing it. But OK, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my but where I'm going with this is here. It's actually in the agreement, or at least it's been reported. It's in the agreement that the agreement is based in what? the global temperature does over the next several decades. Did you read this? That, in other words, that, that if the global temperature only rises by a certain amount over a certain period of time, then the regulations will take different effect based upon 
the temperature changes. And I'm thinking, but what if the temperature changes have nothing to do with the carbon dioxide or the or the carbon emissions? So, okay, John, so- there's there's even a fundamental thing. Okay, this whole thing is based on the amount of greenhouse gases have to be limited to the same levels that trees, soil, and oceans can absorb naturally. How in the world can you possibly regulate that? Well, you're right. It, 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 this this whole How? this whole thing this whole thing is a fa- let's let's get to the brass tacks. This is a fantasy. Okay, this is more of a fantasy than any religion that I'm aware of. Okay. Oh yeah, it's a cult. Uh, it, and and it it is. We are in the into the Santa Claus realm. I mean, yeah. so when so when you're building a Santa Claus myth, you can create whatever narrative you want because after all you already got a fat guy in a sleigh giving gifts to every kid in the world in one night so so what what the hell let's just determine our carbon emissions by what the world temperature is going to be and how much that increases by the way what happens if it goes down which which by, the, by way, the way what happens if they fake it like they did in the past well we the the, the idea that there's a global temperature <laughs> is is one of the many farces of this entire fiasco i mean it's Again, it's layer after layer after layer of absurdity. We don't know what the global temperature is because we have not enough data. We don't. And, and for, I'm even. I'm even going to seed. I know you think the data is cooked, and I think there's evidence to indicate that data is cooked. It is. But, but but even if it wasn't cooked, even if it wasn't cooked, Leah, the whole thing's still a scam. Well, the Earth has been around for millions, hundreds of millions of years. We have at best. At best, I, I don't even believe we have 100 years of data. Because who the hell was taking data in the hottest areas of the world before air conditioning? No one. Nobody. Nobody. So inherently, we are living in hotter places. And 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 there's been problems with the where the locations are, and, you know, whether when they're in cities and and you know, blacktop and all that kind. Of, I, I I don't I do not believe that we have enough decent data to even be determining where the hell the temperature is going and where it's going to go in the future. I it's don't a think... way to punish America. Well, That's that, what it's and, that, about. and I'm glad you mentioned that part because the president <laughs> in his upside down world says we've been a leader for seven years in this fight. No, 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 no. Here's what the America, the United States of America has become. We are the leader in capitulation yeah. on this issue. We've been the leader in bending over and taking it up the backside because we happen to be an economic power. And, 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 and and then the, the the final layer. I don't even know if it's the final layer, but but the most ridiculous layer of this whole thing is the notion that we can do anything about this on our own. I realize there's exactly. allegedly 200. I don't believe. I don't even believe if every country in the world got on board for real, which you know most of these countries are not. They're just doing China, it. China, please. Yeah, yeah. Even if every country in the world got on board here. We don't know that there's a problem. We don't know if we can fix it. We don't know whether or not fixing it would be worth it. We, we don't know anything. And yet, and yet in, in this religious belief, it's a religious belief, much like Santa Claus, 
reality has gone out the window, and it's whatever we want it to be because it makes us feel better. And and, and the, it's extortion. It, come absolutely. on, it's all about money. And money. That's what it's all about. It's also narcissism. The narcissism yes. that the president showed in that clip about his grandchild is just off the charts, even for. The, the, the commander in narcissism, uh, Barack Obama. All right. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. That's, that ends my three-hour therapy session. Uh, our podcast will be available at www.freespeechbroadcasting.com Monday morning. Uh, Leah, have a good week. We'll talk to you next Sunday. By the way. Okay. I hope you feel better. I, I hope so, too. We might have Grace on the show next week, by the way. So tune in okay, next I Sunday. Okay. I can't wait for that. So long, everybody. Okay.